Hey, hey, today we discuss balancing caution and adventure with our kids, escalator mishaps, and David's imaginary friend. Still a dumb intro. <laughs> hey, Rachel. <laughs> Hi, how, how are you? you? I'm great. How are you? Good. I shaved again for this. You did? Yeah, 10 o'clock You look at night. great. You look really great. I don't look that great, but <laughs> I don't... I So this is a weird thing that I decided to try to shave at night now. Yeah. Um, because I usually run out of time in the morning and I either have to do it fast or I just decide not to do it. Yeah, you and I not so good in the morning. Yeah, not good at all. Yeah. And so, uh, and the problem is shaving kind of wakes me up. Yeah. Uh, for maybe obvious reasons. So I can't do it right before bed, but I'm going to try to do it right around our kids' bedtime uh, and see if it gives me a little, you know, go little for the last two hours of our day. That's good. So I do feel a little go right now. Good. Well, fancy that. Glad we're on the mics for your go time. <laughs> go time. <laughs> uh, uh, I have a question for you. Yeah, I got an answer. So in, in like thinking about our topic today about being cautious, um, parents, I want to know what are the stupid things you did when you were a kid that your parents didn't know about? And if they would have, they would have freaked out. Hmm. Well, like personal injuries or, you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if there were any they didn't know about. Um, there was this place near our elementary school called Devil's Pit. Ooh, scary. It was, yeah, it was like Goonies <laughs> kind of. Um, it was like there was a elementary school and then a huge field, like a big soccer field. There's also a jungle gym and all that stuff. And then in the back corner of the end of the property, it went down into some woods. Uh-huh. And you could walk through there and get to the street. To the devil's house? Well, that's what you probably were told when you were in first, second, <laughs> third grade. And then by yeah. the time you got to fourth or fifth grade, you realized it was just a steep hill. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the thing, though, was I was kind of scared of going back there, certainly by, when I was in third grade. But by the time you get to fourth or fifth grade, we would take our mountain bikes and ride down it. And it was not very long, but it was pre- reasonably steep. Yeah. Um, and I would never, never, ever tell my mom about that. Yeah. She, and we didn't wear helmets back then. I don't remember having a bike helmet as a kid at all. No, I didn't have a helmet. No, so, wait, wait, wait. I take that back. Later in life, like maybe in late middle school or high school, I had a bike helmet, but not an elementary school. You got school. a bike helmet in middle school? Or isn't it supposed to go the other <laughs> way around? Yeah, you would think. No, I think I got a bike helmet. Like I started riding my bike to piano lessons all by myself, and I think I had a bike helmet at that point. And then um, when I got a little bit older, I had a biking accident. And I remember I, I'm pretty sure I had a helmet on because I hit my chin pretty hard. I went like over the top of my handlebars Yeah. and I hit my chin and I think I, I'm pretty sure I had a helmet on. Okay. When anyway. you hit your chin. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So did you do any dumb stuff you would tell, tell your family? Oh yeah. Tons of dumb stuff. The one that most uh, sticks out in my head was when I was in elementary school and I, we used to have these huge swings with, you know, like the chain and the saddle or whatever. Right, yep. So if you swung high and then um, you could jump off, right? That's what normal kids do. You didn't flip all the way around, we did you? We flipped. So no we way. would go like, so we would swing high and then we would like scoot down to our backs, but we'd still hang uh-huh. on to the chains and our feet would like be up in the air. And then once we got up 
to the top, like on the front end, we would let go and we would like swing our legs over our head and we would flip out of the swing backwards and, and land the, on our feet oh, most okay. of the time. So you did a flip. You didn't go over the bar and around. Like oh, a no, no, no. That's Ooh, what I was picturing at first. That would have been amazing. Yeah. If I could have, I would have. But I know yeah, you I remember doing dumb stuff on the playground all the time. Yeah. And we, I remember um, my friend Gina used to like spin on the monkey bars like just over and over and over uh-huh. and over. And one time she flew off. Mm. Um, it was it was tough go, but I'm pretty sure our moms never knew. Yeah. I mean, the teachers knew. They were all outside. No wonder they're not, like, there are no large swing sets on playgrounds anymore. Yeah, our sw- swing set or playground was the old school tire. Like, it was big oh, truck tires yeah. and metal, and it was on wood chips. But yeah. it was not super-duper safe, but yeah. it was a ton of fun. It was more fun than the playgrounds now. I, mean, I don't know. There's some cool stuff that they do with, like, the roller slides. You know, those, yeah, like, rollers those are that cool. you can go down. and they. Uh, there's some stuff that I'm always like, oh, this is still dangerous. Like you yeah. get hurt on a modern play uh, playground, yeah. which I appreciate. Absolutely, I think that um, Colorado has some of the best playgrounds. Like I think we should do a tour of playgrounds when we're in really? Colorado. That yes. seems like an odd and very difficult to prove <laughs> claim. I know. Well, I, I mean, think it's I'd obviously call BS just because. On it, but there's no way for us to. <laughs> it's just because like... I'm familiar with it, and so I think everyone thinks that. <laughs> also, do you think the playgrounds that you're familiar with from 25 years ago No, still they're exist? not from 25 years ago. Like, so I went with um, my, one of my best a pals. Boyfriend. No, one of my mm-hmm. best pals a couple of years ago with our kids. We met at this really cool playground. Um, and then I saw a picture of another playground from someone, I don't know, someone like a neighbor or something. They said, oh, this is amazing. And I thought it would be the same playground, but it wasn't. But it was in another Colorado. Another amazing one. Another amazing playground in Colorado. So two. Yeah. You're going so. with two, and you're <laughs> deciding it's going to win yeah. the state. I know it is. <laughs> That's great. So you referred to her as pal. What do you call your friends? Well, okay. So it's weird for a middle-aged woman to be like, yeah, my best friend. You know? No, no, like, no. I know. I'm not making fun of you. Guys use the term buddy a lot. Like, this oh, is my buddy. Oh, yeah. Um, I call I, my friends friends. I've known a friends. few people who refer to everyone as buddy. Not yeah. like people they don't know, but like every one of their friends is like buddy. And I, I've never really used that phrase a lot. Well, do you have, what do you call your best friend? Do you have a best friend? Um, imaginary. <laughs> <laughs> What's his name? You did have an imaginary friend. I what did. was his name again? Bobo? Bo- Bobo Ho-Ho? Yeah. <laughs> Why do I come on this podcast it's every a, week? <laughs> <laughs> it's a sign of genius if you have an imaginary friend. Yeah, that, right? No. <laughs> it may be common among geniuses. I don't think it's a sign of genius. Like, okay. it's not proof that I'm a genius. <laughs> As you know, I'm a complete <laughs> idiot. I did have an imaginary friend. <laughs> he was awesome. What did he do? Um, what, did, what Did you talk to him? Yeah. It, I mean, what else did, did we do? Back? Probably in my head. I mean, you're talking to the guy who spent like all of his late elementary school 
playing basketball <laughs> in his room by himself and creating entire leagues of teams made up of not of just of basketball players, but like my favorite athletes, no matter what. So yeah. like one of the best players in my best made up basketball league was Andre Agassi because I loved him as a tennis player. Yeah, yeah, he was a really good point in guard. The same way that he had I a loved. really good three point <laughs> shot, which was from behind <laughs> the line of my bunk bed. That's where the three point line was. So okay, so when you were doing this, like, did you talk to the players and like, did you talk out loud when you were um, making up these leagues? I I talked out loud as if I was the announcers in the middle of the game. Oh, that's awesome. And I think at awesome. one point I had a notebook where I kept the score of a season of games. Yeah. So I would like play the games out and just have them finish however I wanted. And my team either would go undefeated or would have a tough loss near the end of the season oh and come gosh. back and win the championship. It was like a Disney sports movie in my own yeah. head where yeah. I was the star. I love it. Sad. No, really it's sad. not sad at all. I think it's great. It's a crazy, wild imagination. I mean, I think that I hear our kids in their rooms making stories like that. Maybe. Maybe. Or and maybe I'm just. I wonder. Weirdo. Well, I wonder what your mom thought of that. If she heard you, or like if anyone heard you. Yeah, I don't know. They used to get mad because I would be jumping around my room when they'd have guests over because I was playing basketball in my room. I had this cool <laughs> basketball hoop, like oh it was my metal gosh. rim, and it wasn't just like a Nerf hoop. Yeah, it was nice. And, uh, it, and I, it was on the back of your door? It was on my closet door, so inside my room, yeah. Oh, man. Anyway. That is fun. You asked what I call my best friends, and yeah. uh, I just call my friend so-and-so. Yeah. Like, I get made fun of because I have some friends who I always say, like, this is my friend so-and-so. And they're yeah. like, what, you don't have to add like friend so-and-so. So, like, you it. and I have talked <laughs> about this person, or I've met this person, and you yeah. can just say This his is name. my friend, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so pal, you and your pal. Well, no, I just didn't know what to say. Like, yeah, no, no, no it's fine. I don't want to be like, yeah, my best friend, but I have a lot of really good friends. Yeah, but this but was she's like, your oldest friend, right? Yeah, my I'm, old traditionally, like, she was, she held the best friend spot. Yes. So she's but, great. Yeah. Anyway, best pal. Best pal. So we it's talked just, a little bit about um, jungle gyms and getting hurt and all that stuff. This, yeah. The whole conversation for me was inspired by a glorified walk bike ride we went on as a family a few days ago. And we were on a path that goes under a bridge. And one of our kids wanted to get off his bike so he could climb up kind of those ramps that under, under like road bridges, right? Like, right. you know, there's the ramps um, of cement. And they're reasonably steep. You can do it, but like not every kid can do it. Right. And our, our child was going up. And as he's going, I started to yell, be careful. And like it was mid-sentence almost. Like I got to the ca- and I just like stopped and I was like, what is that gonna do? <laughs> what a, he can am I really hear doing me. here? <laughs> B, is he gonna become more careful all of a sudden right. because he, I yell at him? Yeah, is he all of a sudden like, oh, dad says be careful, I better stop. Yeah. Heck and to no. be honest, it wasn't it's not like he was near a snake or a sharp edge or gonna fall off. It was all just one continuous slope. So he was no less or no more in danger the moment I said that than he had been 10 seconds beforehand. Right. But at something triggered in me to it's almost like a Pavlovian response when our kids are doing something, I am like, be careful. Yeah. And I don't really think it's for them. I think it's for me most huh. of the time. What do you think it is? What does it do for you? I mean, um, if you don't think it's for them. Uh, it helps me feel like when they do, if they do end up hurting themselves or falling down, <laughs> you could be that like, it's not I told my fault. You so. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I guess that's one of the things or one of the main things it does. I um, So I come from a cautious family. Yeah. I am cautious about certain things, and then I'm kind of reckless in a weird way about other things. Yeah. Um, but I get really nervous about our kids. So this is... I was as I was kind of thinking about what to talk about and prepping for this, I was reminded of a trip we got to take five or six years ago now, and we were in Maine. Yeah. And we were at the and in this little like shore town in Maine, but all the beaches were just rocks. Yeah. And like big rocks. And our kids, there were two of them with us, and they were you know roughly four and six or four and seven or whatever they were yeah right but that age where they wanted to explore these rocks it was the coolest thing in the world but they're also not entirely super stable right um and i just remember being miserably verklempt the entire time because i knew i mean part of me just wanted to be like let's get off the rocks and go find something else to do like, let's, let's go do get some ice safe. cream <laughs> let's go walk on the street let's stand on a boardwalk Anything that's flat and not jagged, because yeah. all I could think about was one of them's gonna fall, and, and like there was, their head there open. was, you remember there was no soft landings. Yeah. Like either your arm is getting broken or your head is going to bleed if yep. you fell, or both. Yeah, and I just it made me like clench up. I felt so nervous the whole time, and I know like you have a much more adventurous spirit in general. Uh-huh. Um, and maybe a, or almost definitely a higher tolerance for pain in your own life. And uh, so you kind of like live for that and you get excited that they're running around on the rocks. And the whole time I'm just like, I don't really want to watch them. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's the experience I have on a semi-regular basis is this feeling of they're doing something that's not recklessly dangerous for me to let them do. Like it's pretty normal for a young child between five and 15 to want to do. Yeah. Uh, and the, within normal parameters. Um, but the risk level has ticked up enough to where I feel anxious about it. And I want that anxiety to stop. Yeah. Um, or on the bike ride, the risk level wasn't even that high. It was just like riding our bike was easier and I didn't have to think about it. And so if they would just come down and stop doing that. It's almost like you need, like, it's easier when you have full control over the situation. So, like, a bike feels. Yes, Rachel. It is easier because I have control issues. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't say it. podcast over. I didn't say it. (laughs) But it is easier in general. I feel that, too. Like, when I can pull things back and get control of a situation, I feel much less afraid even though the risk might still be there, but I have calculated and I've understood what I would do in that risk. So I think that like the um, climbing on rocks in Maine is a good example because I, in my head, I remember distinctly having a plan, looking around, thinking, where's the closest vehicle? Like, how would we do something if, like, how would we get to a hospital? Who would we call? Where's the phone? Like, I sort of had this idea about what would happen so that I could relax a little bit more. But I was still terrified. Don't get me wrong. So that's interesting because you are sitting there, and this says a lot about our differing personalities and how you're useful and I'm a big dumb idiot. You're sitting there. (laughs) You do do a funny (laughs) intro, though. (laughs) (laughs) You're sitting there thinking of, okay, if something goes wrong, here's all my options to, to solve for it, to get them to the hospital, to do whatever. And I'm just thinking, if something goes wrong, I'm 
it's my fault. Uh, and even if we fi- and, and one, I won't know what to do. And two, even once we figure out what to do, I will feel terrible. Yeah. And I will feel like I every, think that, everyone around me is like, you are a terrible person. Well, I think motherhood is made of like, I feel terrible most of the time. Like, I'm really you're, screwing You're inoculated to it? Yeah. So I'm like, well, I already messed this up pretty well. Like, it's going to be fine. Yeah. It's just this constant pending feeling like, oh, you suck, <laughs> you know? Yes. Well, um, I mean, I don't think that's just motherhood. I think that is humanhood yeah, a lot of times. Yeah, humanhood. <laughs> yeah, so I think that control is a big thing. And I think, well, and I look at like when, so we had another incident where um, one of our kids was going the wrong way up the escalator. So we were yeah. going up the escalator. He went to the other side. Every kid does it. It's the stupidest thing ever. So he's climbing up the down escalator, right? Right, exactly. And it is so dumb. And as a parent, you look at that and you're like, no, do it right. But at the same time, I sort of wanted him to experience it because it is fun. Like, I remember doing it as a kid and thinking, like, ooh, look how cool I am. I'm not moving anywhere, but I'm walking all at the same time, you know? Like, escalators were fun, but they're huge. Can I make a side note really quickly? Yes. Is... That concept is so unbelievably amazing for small kids in a way that doesn't make sense to me. We went that to... That concept being escalators? Uh, walking and not moving anywhere. Because <laughs> we went to a sporting goods store to get a bike for one of our kids recently. And we needed to distract them because it was a gift for Christmas. Yeah. And we thought it would be hard. Like, where are we gonna, what are we going to do? And all of a sudden, they were all playing on treadmills. Yeah. 25 straight minutes didn't bother us at all. They're all trying to figure out how a treadmill works. Yeah. And they think it's the funnest thing in the world. <laughs> they do. What? I think it's the funnest you, thing in the world. <laughs> no. I do Not anything I to stay to off a tread, treadmill. <laughs> Anything. No, but it is fascinating that you're walking and not going anywhere. That is, I remember as a kid feeling like, wow, this is, this is amazing. This right here, amazing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so anyway, he's on the escalator. So he's on the escalator. He's going the wrong way. He's going up the down escalator. Were you freaking out? Well, I or were thought you like, in my this head, is great. I just was like, okay, well, it's a fun thing every kid needs to experience, right? It's a big metal contraption. It's probably going to harm something. Eat a shoelace. It was in a big leg. building too, yeah. like an office building, so it felt cool. Yeah, it felt really cool. So he uh, falls, of course, and he's like splits open his shin, and like uh, it was so. Ah. Just, it's so gross. And, like, so he's bleeding, like, and a little chunk of fat comes out. It was disgusting. Anyway, yes. I hope we didn't lose Understatement. any listeners. <laughs> it was gross. But it wasn't bad enough where something was, like, severely broken or whatever. Anyway, no. all that to say, I looked at it and I thought, okay, this was a hassle, number one. Number two, like, I don't know. I don't know where to go even to get stitches or do whatever. You know, like, the security guard was certainly no help. I was at that particular place you know he kind of looked at it and was like yeah it's bleeding I was like oh really gosh thanks you know anyway so I didn't really have any solutions and so I just I felt badly as a mother because I was like I'm the mom who let her kid do the wrong thing and I should have been more careful to tell him not to but at the same time now every time we go on an escalator everyone in the family remembers go the right way because otherwise you his little hurt. brother to this day warns everyone. Everyone. Hey, don't go on the wrong one. And you have to stand still on the escalator. You remember what happened, you know? Yeah. So anyway, so there was a lesson learned. All that to say, I could have been cautious and said no and fought that for the rest of my life. Or you let natural consequences happen and your child's not careful. And then all of a sudden they're hurt and everyone learns a good lesson that way. 
Yes. So it's hard to say which is the better way. I err on the side of natural consequences, um, as long as they're somewhat controlled natural consequences. Right, and age-appropriate. Yes, exactly. Um, it's funny, because I think when he got on the the up escalator, going or the down escalator going up, the first thing I thought was, oh, he's going to be a nuisance to someone going down that escalator. Uh-huh. And that's what I was worried about, not his physical safety in that moment. Because so I didn't say, think he would fall. So would you say that when you're saying to our kids, be careful, is it more out of like wanting, like not wanting to deal with the hassle of an injury? Or is it because you're afraid you might look stupid or you might look foolish? Um, yeah, it's more the latter because even the dealing with the hassle is not about the inconvenience. It's about the how am I going to feel, uh, how wow. incompetent am I going to feel in that crisis. I'm not built for crisis, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> um, Interesting. And so that's, yeah, it's really about how, not even how am I going to look. It's like how am I going to think I look uh-huh. and how is that going to make me feel. That is 90% of the problems in my life are around me doing dumb stuff or not doing the right thing because I'm worried about that. Yeah. Uh, you're worried about looking feeling cool, dumb. foolish or yeah. feeling dumb. Yep. I don't All care right. what that people... That was a high <laughs> note. <laughs> <laughs> what a dumb laugh. Um, yeah, I can relate. I, I, I feel... But not, you, you yeah. can't. Like, you, yeah. you're, what you're worried about is different. What is... Can you pinpoint it? Yeah, I'm worried that our kids will get hurt. <laughs> yeah. Like, irreparably. Because you actually care about their their bodies, <laughs> unlike yeah. me, who just cares about how well, I look. and, like, I worry, this is this is so vain, but, like, if they had a scar on their face or something, like, yeah. that stays the rest of their life, and I worry about that. Or if they're, like, if they're, um, if they think differently or if something happens with a head yes. injury, like, I get, I get worried, really worried about, about that, that stuff. Yeah. Um, so... Like, big things, like them running into the street, I get really worried about, um, you know, someday when they're driving, I'll get really, I'm sure, worried about that. Oh, I am not ready for that. Those are big things that are really outside of my control, and that feels very scary. Whereas, like, climbing on rocks in Maine felt somewhat controlled because I could see them. But when they are out of reach for me. Interesting. In some ways, when they're out of sight, it is easier for me. Oh, really? Gosh, Mm. no. Yeah, when they come back and are like, we did all this dumb stuff, I'm like, that's awesome, now that I know that you're fine and it's over. Really? But watching them do dumb physical stuff freaks me out. I get freaked out when they tell me. I get And my assumptions about what they're doing are, my mind goes wild. Whereas if I can see it, I can be like, okay, it's okay. Yeah, scenario. that reminds me. My so my sister is a pilot, as you yeah. know. Um, and she, when she was first like learning to fly, and early on, she would only tell my mom about what she had already done. <laughs> like, oh, last weekend I went and d- flew, da da da, and she Smart. would never tell her in advance when she was going because my mom would worry about it, but she could deal with the aftermath. Yeah. So it sounds similar to what you're describing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I wanted to make kind of a PSA in the middle here with a couple of caveats. Uh, before we go through a few, few final thoughts. Um, so caveat number one is like, this is not a discussion about free range parenting for or against. That's not really what I want to get into. Like this is really Wait, about. Wait, what? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> <laughs> just got to cut the last 15 minutes. <laughs> no, I just like, that's a big broader debate. Like, and, and that connects with my other sort of point, which is 
everyone listening to this needs to decide what comfort level they have with this idea of how cautious or adventurous their kids are. And as we've discussed, parents in the same family can be different uh, and have different tolerances uh, or comfort levels. And I think you can have different tolerance and comfort levels for different types of risks, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's very, very situational. And I think that like there are, I mean, one of our kids I know will always fall down. I know. Yeah, it, and that's always. the third thing. Each kid is ready for different things. Absolutely, and age appropriateness and whatnot. Right. So the point is, or a point is that this looks different in different families. It looks different for different ages, and it looks different for different kids, um, and different different situations and life stages. Uh, there are a few things you kind of ask why I worry about some of these things. And I do think that some of this is outside pressure. So some of it is just me being naturally cautious or paranoid even about certain things. Um, but l- thinking back to reading books during pregnancy with our first child, yeah. and it's half like exciting and your kid's the size of an avocado or whatever. Right. But then it's half don't do this, don't walk upstairs, like all these random things that create anxiety in you. Yeah. And I was also thinking just in general, we were watching the news together, which I don't really watch a lot of the news. Yeah. Um, and I really don't like it because it's like we have access to so much information. And so you watch a 30-minute news program and they highlight some of the worst things going on. Sometimes there'll be positive stories, but it's just like all these things that are very, very unlikely and rarely happen. Yes. But there's 7 billion people in the world. And so they happen to someone once a day or once a week or whatever. And so we, we build up this sense that the world is unsafe and bad things are going to happen. Even I was doing a little bit of research on the CDC website, which I think is great. CDC is great. And they have a bunch of stuff about injury uh, prevention, which makes sense but if we're always focused on how do we prevent injuries, like we want to prevent really ridiculously bad injuries, like yeah. a toddler, or, you know, suffocating on a bag, you know, or, you know, your house fire starting. Yeah. But it's like, yeah. you know, if a kid falls off a jungle gym, like the answer isn't never let the kid on a jungle gym again or get right. rid of jungle gyms altogether. Or like follow su- the kid all over. Yes. Or, or pad them, you know. <laughs> Um, I tried it. It did not go well. At the yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm like the kidding. little little brother in a Christmas story, yes, just like arms, but no out. snow, just all <laughs> padded up. So I, you know, and and really in general, uh, I think there's a lot of bad stuff going on in the world. But in terms of child safety, we are way better off today than we were 30 or 40 or 50 years ago. Like the huh. number of deaths. Uh, per 100,000 or whatever has dropped significantly. Do you have um, any factual information? No, Rach, I just make stuff up. Yeah, I did find out <laughs> in, in an article I was looking at, I think the data came from the government, but it was cited in the Washington Post. The number of deaths per 100,000 for, uh, so 100,000 kids for in the one to four-year-old age range went from over 40 a year in 1990 to less than 25. So wow. that's... You know, it's a pretty significant significant drop. drop for five to fourteen year olds. It went from about twenty five or just under that to around fifteen per hundred thousand. So fifteen per per hundred thousand. That is, um, you know, what is that? Point oh oh one five percent or something. It's like really really, really low. 
Um, and, you know, some of that is because of vaccinations, more vaccinations. Some of that is uh, just because, um, you know, child homicide is down in general, both child-on-child homicide and uh, the killing of kids. Violent crime is down across the United States. Um, number of missing persons is down like 40% over the last 30-ish years. Interesting. And did you know that I found this out like 96% uh, plus of run of people who are missing persons are just like kids who run, run away? away. Yeah, just trying to get out of their situation. Um, and about 0.1%, they estimate, are what we consider like stereotypical kidnappings. Huh. So I was telling you the other day, I remember walking my dog in the morning on a perfectly fine suburban street. And when you were a kid. When right? I was a kid. And anytime a van would go by, sort of just like twitching a little bit, yeah. like, oh, or a truck or whatever. And like the probability of a kid just getting picked up, it happens, but just yeah. so very, very unbelievably rarely. Yeah. And yet we've built this news culture and we've built this safety culture. Um, and all these things are well-intended and, and I think on some level good, but yeah. it does create this anxiety in us as parents of anything, something bad could happen at any time. Yes. And, yes. you know, and we shouldn't assume that nothing bad's ever going to happen. Like our kids are going to break a bone here and there. They're going to, like, we've been to the emergency room a few times <laughs> with our kids yeah. and they've been okay. Like, um, so I, I'm not at all suggesting we should put our kids in danger. I'm not at all saying we should neglect them, but well, just a good amount of, uh, age appropriate risk in their life in terms of how they're playing or what they're doing makes yeah. sense. Age and place, you know, this is going to look different if you live in a really urban environment than if you live in a suburban or rural environment. Yeah. The freedom you can give them is totally different. Absolutely. Yeah, it looks different situationally for sure. And I think that one thing to keep in mind is that, like, um, broken bones or suffering or sadness does not. Um, make your life broken, sad, or broke, or like, yeah, like it's it, and the fact that your kids experience that doesn't make you a bad parent, right? Like those two things can live together, where like you have an adventure, something happens, and you may grow closer as a family. Like it, it forms that child's character in some specific way, for better and for worse. But both of those things can live together. Happiness and sadness can live in the same compartment right. and I think that um, we try so hard to guard ourselves from sadness that we forget that both of those things can live together and in fact happiness feels sharper and more joyful when you experience some sadness and so um, and and you're making stories I mean like you it doesn't make sense to stay inside and play video games in the safety of your own home, which I think is frequently where kids are landing now. Nowadays, these kids playing video <laughs> games. I sound like an old lady, but I do think that there's a level of safety and security with our kids playing video games that gives us consolation as parents. But it doesn't allow our kids to live a really big story in which they might feel really trusted. Like, I think that there's... Something that happens when a kid lives an adventure and they have a story to tell that builds trust inside of them. Like they are able mm -hmm. to start self-regulating. And again, we go back to that, but they're able to self-regulate. They're able to trust themselves. They're able to see what their capacity is. And th those things are really good for them to know, especially I think in late elementary and early um, pubescent years so that when they get to high school and they're really tempted to do stupid things, 
they have that self-regulation semi-built. They tested some limits yes. along the way in somewhat controlled environment. So exactly. they're not just like raring to go. And exactly. And out. even when our kids are toddlers, like um, putting them in somewhat controlled environments, um, you know, like putting them, I think of the example, putting them in a space that is conducive for them and that makes sense. So you have like your outlets are covered and sharp objects are out of the room, right. but there are some risks. They can still jump off of a couch um, onto a harder floor and they might cry and they might get hurt, but it is a controlled area where they start experiencing, oh, it makes sense for me not to jump off the top of the coffee table because I get hurt. Mm-hmm. And, and they learn those natural consequences and begin to trust their gut. Um, I think that's really important. Yeah, I absolutely agree. 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 I'm off my soapbox now. No, I feel good. really passionately about this because I see a lot of, we are raising boys and I see a lot of boys who are risking in video games because they have this like natural desire to risk and this natural desire for adventure. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times kids are sort of put in this simulation, but they're not outside. They're not really hitting a tree with a stick to see what happens. They're not experiencing what that feels like, but they have that craving. And so I feel passionately about getting kids outside and playing. Yeah. But I'm not a totally like non-screen mom. Anyway, it's yeah, balanced. Yeah, you're good. Thanks. You're good. I'm just trying let's, to... Let's get, let's get out and play. Let's do it. <laughs> that sounds good. Before Go to the woods. Do it, let's do, uh, do Stat of the Week. Sounds good. All right, Rach. Rach. I got a Stat of the Week for you. All I, right. I was doing a lot of research looking at just kind of like safety stuff. So this comes uh, directly from Wikipedia because I'm a little bit lazy. But their source is the Bureau, the Borough, the Borough of Bureau of Justice Statistics, and I kind of scrolled through a bunch of stuff here, and I looked at a couple other sources, but this one was the one that I thought was interesting to me. So it's about property crime. So Uh they do a calculation of how many property crimes uh, occur in a given year per a hundred thousand people, similar to what I was talking about earlier. Okay. So in 2016, which is the most recent year they have, I saw data for, uh-huh. how many property crimes are there per 100,000 people in the United States? Per 100,000. I'm guessing it's pretty low. Well, I mean, I'm guessing it's low just based on our conversation today. So I'm going to go, I guess, let's say 2,500. Ooh, so close. Ooh, thank you. Really, really? impressive. 24? You know, 51. Uh, I read crime statistics on the side. <laughs> In your free time? <laughs> yes. 2451 was the 2016 number. It has been steadily on the decline. In 1980, it was more than double at 5,264. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and it's been declining. It was still over 5,000 per 100,000 in 1990. Got down about 3,600 in 2000 just under 3,210, and now 2,451 in 2016. So good trend, right direction. Um, I'm going to ask you another question. There are three types of major types of property crime, burglary, larceny, and vehicle theft. My question for you is, do you know, and I did not, I had to look this up and took a couple, a little time to figure out and really get my head around, and I still don't have it, around what the difference between burglary and larceny is. Oh, man. Is burglary where someone uh, 
takes burglars force forcefully take something, and larceny is where they just take something. <laughs> they, they they ask for it. <laughs> Can I please have that thing? Well, I'm thinking like they just they just go into a space and they take yeah the safe from the house rather than a stick up on the side of the road. Yeah. So burglary essentially involves a structure that uh-huh. you enter. It's like breaking and entering. Okay. Um, whereas larceny, you don't need a structure. You just take. you just need the taking. <laughs> So that's the best I could figure out. And, huh. then, and then somehow vehicle theft is its own category. Um, so larceny actually happens quite a bit more commonly. So that 2451 breaks up with about 1,745 of them uh, are okay. larcenies. So burglary is where you enter and take something, right? Yeah, your so house then, gets burglared. Okay, can your burgled. car, is that larceny or is that burglary? Well, if they take stuff out of your car, it's burglary, I think. Uh-huh, interesting. If they take your car, it falls under the vehicle theft section. And is that larceny? No, it's vehicle it's theft. It's a I'm totally you, separate thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh, its own thing. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So Who knew? Lawyers probably did. Lots but of people knew, but it wasn't us. But now they know. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Well, this has been fun. I am excited to do some adventures in 2020. This is our last podcast of the 2019 year. Yeah. Thank fun. you all for listening. We yeah, have been thank you so much. pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Share this with a friend. Um, rate us on the old uh, Apple podcast if you want as well, if you like what you're hearing. Yeah, we would love that. Greatly appreciate you guys. Hey, Rach, thanks for working on the farm. Thank you for working on the farm. Check ya.